Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Hi, welcome to Because. I'm Mark Zylek. This week, we hear part two of the Becauses of Matt Onstead. He's the assistant professor of trumpet at UW-Whitewater. He's the principal trumpet of the Wisconsin Chamber Orchestra, and he's the former principal trumpet of the Quad City Symphony Orchestra. Last episode, we heard about his story in terms of how he started his career as a trumpeter. And on this episode, we pick up where he joins the military band program and his time as principal trumpet of the Quad City Symphony Orchestra. Now, there's two points in this episode in which we bleep out adult words. If that bothers you, I would uh, not listen to this episode. But at the same time, I think that we will bleep them out. And it's a really, really great episode talking about how his time in Quad Cities ended, how that affected our friendship, and uh, just a lot of life talk in here. Um, Another trigger warning, we do talk about the loss of a parent. So if bad words and uh, dealing with the loss of a parent is something that's going to throw you off of your day, maybe not this episode. But I hope you enjoy part two, the becauses of Matt Onstead. It's been about two two months and some change since I've like done this much talking. I do a lot of talking when I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole lot, but it's, it's I don't it's good. I don't talk this much during the summer months. <laughs> it's good stuff. Just a, just a lot of like babbling with my kids. Yeah, I love that. Well, on our last episode, we left off talking about your military band experience and the relationships you've made there and how fundamental they are to who you've become. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about just the military band experience in general and your experience as it relates to um, other parts of your career. I think sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, I th- probably if you get some bad advice, careers in in military music are sometimes avoided by people who are looking on that audition track or that classical music track in Mm -hmm. terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, the amount of time that you have to sign on with a band and that you're not necessarily available to be moving around uh, the country for an available orchestra job that pops up. Talk to me a little bit about like your mindset around that and maybe how people deal with that or if it is a real thing that, um, you know, that this lack of flexibility actually, do you think that it hurts or helps? Like that's the soup. I think that people kind of have to to negotiate when when they are at the age that you're you're kind of talking about this 20, sure. 21 year old old life. So I can only speak on the reserve component side mm-hmm. of things. In in the military, you you have, it, it, as it pertains to like military music, right? Like there there I guess there are tiers that we can talk about. Like the top tiers, like the premier bands out in DC, and 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 elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. like the Persian Zone band, the U.S. Coast Guard band, such such bands like that. Right. And then underneath that is full time military bands. Mm-hmm. You know where I went to basic training in 
the middle of Oklahoma, there's right. an army band. Yeah. Um, and like Scott who, Air Force Base has an air force. Yes, band. of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there are many, many military bands around the nation and abroad. Um, so I can't really say too much about those kinds of folks. I know a lot of people in it. Right. And, and I guess I could, I could just add a little nugget to what their experience might be. Mm-hmm. It is full-time. It's a full-time job. Like you're right. working eight to four mm-hmm. most days. Right. When you're active duty, if you're not, you know, deployed or if you're not doing some like, um, tour of such like the army field band it's a their premier band but they do a lot of touring so I, i'm assuming right. they do a lot of weekend shows and everything like that mm-hmm. but you have your weekends off okay from 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 the folks that i talked to in active duty military bands again mm-hmm. not premier bands but just active duty people that are are stationed at around around the nation right in, in, in Dayton, state essentially Louis, yeah like you know, right it's it's just a, an eight to four, nine to five. Like it's similar to that. You put on right. the uniform. Um, from what I hear, it's it's a little bit more of like, you know, military stuff than than music stuff than like what a professional musician might seek right. or, or, or ex- expect, I guess. Right. But you're still you're like your your main job is to still be. A bandsman, right? To be a good horn player, trumpet player, and totally, to totally. I mean, that's what well you audition for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you audition for. That's what you go to school for in the military. Right. Now, in on the reserve component, there's the reserves, which is nationally funded, and the National Guard, which mm-hmm. is state funded. Okay. I'm in the National Guard in Wisconsin. There's also a reserve band in Wisconsin as well. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place. Okay. It, the culture that we have in the 132nd Army Band in Madison, Wisconsin, our leadership has built like essentially just like a policy that if I have a gig on the weekend that we have drill, I'm gonna get off. Like, okay. I don't have to. I don't have to put on the uniform that day. Mm-hmm. Um, we just. We just had our two-week tour this summer, and mm-hmm. I and I've been lucky to to have landed uh, an, another gig up here that has a summer series, mm-hmm. and so I did a week of army, mm-hmm. and then I got off the second week because I had to go to night rehearsals and have night shows. Right. Right. It, it's just uh, I have to go through a, a, a line of of leaders to get that accepted, but right. it, it's it's there's there is there's a process in place there. And what I appreciate most about the military is that you know when you're going to be serving on the national on the on the reserve component side rather you're going to be you know when your drill weekends are a year in advance. Nice. So if you're organized, if you know like exactly when you're supposed to serve, when you're supposed to you know shave your face and put on the uniform, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Right. It really it really is. Um, in my experience, a f- pretty flexible mm-hmm. organization. So, now, we still have to like shoot the rifles, right? <laughs> right. We yeah. still have to qualify on that. We still have to do physical fitness. Mm-hmm. There are some immovable parts, right? That like perhaps leadership will be like, hmm, maybe you shouldn't take off if you if there's a little bit of flexibility, right? In your in whatever else you have, like that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But but for from my experience in the eleven years, I have 
I've never had to turn something down because I had a military obligation. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's good insights for folks because, you know, the paths to a career in music are multitudinous. And oh, of course. And often we can kind of say, like, you know, we talked a lot about in my doctorate, like, kind of, you know, redefining success and this yeah. idea that it's like, you know, for me at that time, like, I'd just been so, like, maniacally focused on, like, excerpts auditions job and it's like for me very very clearly like i would say it to people early on it's like if i'm not you know principal horn of the pittsburgh symphony like i've i've not done the thing yet and you know it yeah <laughs> I, well, so I, talking I totally about things a little bit differently uh, allows me to to not uh you know, look at myself and go, boy, what a failure in comparison to that benchmark. <laughs> sure. Well, and if I may add something about the military side of thing, like I, I totally get that. Like mm -hmm. there was once a point in my, uh, in my master's program or something right, like right after I won quad city where I'm like, Oh, I could, I could do this full time. Like I, I, I could mm -hmm. potentially like seek this out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're all, trying to grasp at fulfillment right trying to right. be fulfilled with what we're doing trying to make it worth it mm -hmm. on the military side of thing i've played tabs for a military funeral about 400 times mm -hmm. and 24 notes it's not Mahler's fifth right <laughs> but those 24 notes are going to move way more people i guarantee it mm -hmm. than a performance of Mahler's fifth and it's probably going to create more nerves because that's a touchy It's the most thing, nervous man. piece. It's like <laughs> the most nerve wracking piece yep, 100%. That, that, that anyone, any trumpet player rather could like, could really truly play. 100%. It's the most well-known 24 notes in, in the world, not, not the world in, in this nation. Right. And if you, and if you ruin one of them, if you frack one of them, your percentage is already 5%. Right. Own. And everybody knows that that was a miss. <laughs> of course. Right. Of course. And so it, it, it's really, there, there are some like, some pretty uh, high pressure situations that I've experienced in the military. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, you're playing for, for people that absolutely adore what you're doing mm -hmm. for them. Right. And they just love listening. Of course. Well, let's get back to your schooling story. And you mentioned a master's degree. And uh, mm -hmm. tell us the story behind uh, that process, uh, you know, whether or not you looked at a handful of schools or, mm -hmm. or if you knew where you were headed. Uh, tell us that story. I had no idea where I was going to be, <laughs> honestly. As I stated um, previously, I was I was paying for school all, all on my own. Right. And, and, and the military helped with that. You know, my the, the moment I joined, they started um, paying for my schooling. But with basic training, um, it, it took – and the change of majors, it took me a while. It took me a total of 10 semesters, five and a half years of time. Uh -huh. and so I was in Oshkosh for six years, Right, if that makes sense. 100%. Um, and, and so I, I kind of absorbed my tuition – benefits okay at that point at, at, almost entirely at the end of my my undergraduate career mm -hmm. and so when i was getting 
pretty serious about grad school because that was the next right. step naturally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to go and get a full ride somewhere. I right. knew that I had to go and and find the schools that were going to pay that me. That would be one. I, I had, I had a couple of dream schools. Mm -hmm. You know, your teachers, your teachers' alma maters are naturally going to be probably on the list, and so Eastman was on my list. Mm -hmm. um, I was offered a, a decent chunk of change. You know, everyone wants to go to Jacobs, and so I, I had auditioned at IU, mm -hmm. and then through and through my through my years of of, of lessons with Marty, he, he started, you know, saying some names of people that would really be good for me mm -hmm. um, to get me to the next step. You know, I was really close to playing lead trumpet and being a jazz major at Louisiana State University. Huh. Interesting. Um, and, and actually getting the, the lead trumpet scholarship at Eastman. But then I auditioned for um, a, a really great, um, what they called back then a project assistantship. There was no teaching involved mm -hmm. at, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison with the faculty quintet. They have obviously four brass faculty, right? but they would essentially hire a student to perform the other trumpet seat. Um, I went into the audition knowing I wasn't going to get it. I, I was granted an audition and I thought that that was the coolest thing in the world. Right. Like this, this, this kid out of UW Oshkosh with, mm -hmm. with only his bachelor's degree right. historically given it to a doctoral student. And it, it I, I just had fun. I had, I, I had really great chamber music experiences with my friends right? and I just brought that to my audition mm -hmm. with, with WBQ. So what did you read with them? Do you remember? I do remember. Uh, it was the second movement from Plo uh, Tony Plogue's Four Sketches. All that double tanging stuff with the practice mute. And so John Ailey and I would would like we were we were we were cooking. Well, you played that with two really awesome trumpet players. I sure did. Bruce Shriner, baby. We kicked that. We kicked that. That was a good recording. I still go back and I listen to it. Yeah, I it's on, played it's on, it on, it's on the on my show right here. I played it on my show. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I did. Nice. Because it's better. It's better than I'm it's sorry. So, like, I think it's better it's like than a, the summit recording. It's it's better than a lot of the, the commercially recorded albums. <laughs> yeah, we killed that. Um, what else did we? Uh, we wrote. We read the uh, Arnold. Arnold Quintet, the full thing. Ooh. A couple. A couple yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing. And, and, and then that last, that last movement the, the where last, you guys have that. The last And a couple of contemporary things uh, mm -hmm. because they, they pride themselves in like champion. champion Samson music morning music. Like there wasn't morning music, but you know, there's some pretty edgy stuff. Cool. And so I spent this like a good two months working up this repertoire just because I, I, I wanted it. But I, I again, I, I went into that just telling myself, have fun. You're mm -hmm. not going to win. Just like have a fun hour. Cause it was an hour audition. Like, right. It wasn't, you get to play brass quintets for an hour. Have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With, with, with at that point in my life, the best musicians I will ever right. be in a quintet with a hundred percent. And 
One of them just so happened I, to be in the Empire Brass Quintet, right? Empire Brass. Johnny Ailey <laughs> played an American Brass Quintet. Yeah. Dan Graboy and now Tom Curry, both of them play in Meridian. Right. Like, top-notch, internationally renowned brass quintets. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I recorded that that audition. I put my phone in my case and, and have, have since lost the recording. But Darn it. I felt really good. I felt mm-hmm. like it was one. It was like the one of the first times where I, like I was okay with like not judging how I played. Mm-hmm. And I think that was another pretty decently uh, large turning point in how I acted as a performer, mm-hmm. how I reacted rather as a performer. Right. Like being okay with what I put on stage mm-hmm. and then it just so happened that I, I, I was offered the position and I, I, I took all of the, you know, the, 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 the I, I think I put a down payment on a house mm-hmm. in Louisiana. Oh man. I had to call them uh-huh. and I, I stayed in state. I stayed yeah. in state for my master's degree mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff happened that those two years of my master's program. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it just, it just goes to show like, if you, you just have fun. If you go into high pressure situations mm-hmm. for me, I, I dampen my expectation. Not, not like ironically, I'm not like, I'm not just right. like, going to go in there and 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 not try right but if i just go in and i enjoy myself those two words uh, another one of my becauses mm-hmm. you know john ailey for me was um such a musically life-changing mentor for me mm-hmm and, and and just like mentally how I approached performing, like how 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 I was to myself right. as a performer. Uh-huh. And, I, and he had this deep dark voice. If you don't mind me going in mm-hmm. going no, on to, do. To, to this to this to this really gentle giant of a man. Mm-hmm. He had this really deep voice. He would vibrate the entire room. But I I always remember, aside from his his quips and his wonderful laugh, these two words. Matt, enjoy yourself. And before faculty recitals that I do now, before orchestra recital, orchestra performances, mm-hmm. I hear him. I hear that voice. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Because what, what are you doing if you're not? Right. Yep. Yeah, there's an awful for lot me, of... For me, for me, like that's like the, the motivational poster mm-hmm. of life, yeah. of, of, music, of music for me at least. Right. And I know that like life is not this simple but um of course the idea that there are so many musicians out there that when you speak to them all they speak about is miserable things Mm -hmm. i mean you've been around it and i think the reason why we were such fast friends is because we were just not those people like whenever we get together we talk about fun stuff or we have a good time it's not like let me tell you about all the things i dislike about what i've just gone through like and but you would be surprised and like i think that this is one of those things that like classical musicians really need to look at themselves 
and understand that if they believe that we are struggling in the classical music world to get interest and to stay um, relevant, I think that a lot of the blame can be placed on us and our attitudes about what we do and our attitudes about the people that support what we do. Where mm-hmm. it's like, if they don't like this piece of music, then they aren't smart enough or that they're not good enough to be yeah. on the same plane as me. Or, you know, like complaining about conductors, complaining about rehearsal, complaining. Gosh, I've just spent way more time listening to people in our world complain than they spend time talking about like how amazing the opportunity is that we have. And yes, they're all the frustrations, but boy, we could have all talk, talk about frustrations um, in every aspect of life. And it's like, right. what we do is not unique in that sense. Like it's not so totally. special that it's magic. And if it's not this one thing, then it's garbage or we should be like, whatever. So yeah, the idea of like, um, it being about the individual being joyful in the experience of making music. And then that joy being translated onto an audience, even when the repertoire is not about joy. Like we've played some music that's about really like, like terrible things, (laughs) really, really heartbreaking things. But like, we still have to approach it as if like the putting this instrument on our face is something that we generally enjoy doing because that's what audience wants to see. They want to see people enjoying what they're doing and sharing something that they love. We have, we have a gorgeous opportunity to translate what we're feeling and to hopefully offer that to whoever's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're sitting on stage or we're communicating to one another or our audience members with any sort of distaste or neg- negligence or whatever it is, mm-hmm. frustration, I get it. Right. We're not really doing our jobs correctly. Mm -mm. Nope, 100%. So it's great that you had a teacher, like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of instill Mm -hmm. that in you. And, you know, I know uh, just from being buds with you that John is a lot more than just that. But I think we can break these experiences down into, like, an essential theme. And it seems like tying together all of the technical things that you had learned and of course continuing on the path of becoming a better technical player but with the goal of being an extremely musical and expressive player yeah i mean the guy is an insanely good orchestral musician Mm -hmm. and, and a wonderful chamber musician um but what he taught me the most is to be completely and utterly vulnerable in what you're doing on stage yeah you're, you're, when you crack a note, it better be the most beautiful crack note you'll ever play, and right. you must commit to it. Mm-hmm. The level of commitment and um, undying passion that he brought to playing in a quintet. It's only five voices. Right. The guy could break your heart with a single note. Mm-hmm. The way he, he could turn a phrase and the way he could get you to jump out of your chair with one articulation. Mm -hmm. He told stories in everything he played. Uh, Samson's morning music or Mozart symphony number, whatever Mm -hmm. it's going to be committed. It's going to be 
exceptional in the level of 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 vulnerability he brings to his playing amazing and and he's just like he he that's all musically speaking he brings that to his teaching he brought he brought that to the relationships that he had with his students yeah and that's uh what makes him truly great so let's um yeah let's yeah. move to um uh were there some other awesome things that happened in your master's degree there, there were a few <laughs> let's get should, to those. Should I, wait 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 a second so should i should i talk about them in priority because they're i mean i met my wife there yes well let's talk about it in chronological because <laughs> i know actually what comes first <laughs> i know <laughs> But um, I actually, uh, I have been dreaming about this day since I started this show. I would love for you to un uninterrupted tell the entire story of your Quad City Symphony Orchestra audition. <laughs> so this is this, this is coming. from your point of view. Go back to even mm -hmm. when you like saw the audition ad or or who showed it to you. Like, how did you even know that it was a thing? Yeah. So I, I think I, I'd be remiss to not say that one of my becauses is my wife, Beth Larson. Um, <laughs> Beth was on the violin audition circuit. She was just a beautiful musician. She, she was a professional in, in many orchestras. She did all the festivals known to man. She was in civic. She just a monster player. She mm -hmm. like, I admire her like, just from a, a, a performance standpoint right so she was like when we met in my in my master's degree uh she kind of kind of jump-started that like orchestral circuit the audition thing because mm -hmm. i never took one i never right. i never knew what it was i never knew what the uh the processes were to to take an audition and so when she saw quad city symphony mm-hmm I think she she made the connection because the concert master of QCSO and the concert master up here in Madison are the same. Nahal Greenhalgh is is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so she said, "Go take this audition." I'm like, "How?" Right. And this <laughs> well, was like super yeah, early on with you guys, right? Yeah. So this is this is within probably the first couple months that we were dating, mm -hmm. and. So you got to write a write a deposit check. <laughs> you have to submit it. You have to send your resume. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and then the list. I get sent the list. I'm like, Jesus, there are 30 things I have to learn. Yeah, <laughs> our list kind of ridiculous. Are heavy. Think. Yeah, and, and so you know, and and so at, at that point, I printed off the list and I got pretty organized and it, I I must have listened to. You know, a couple trumpet nerdy podcasts of how to how to prep for an audition, but then most of it was you know bringing my my excerpts to to John because at that point I've really never played Mahler. I never never worked up Mahler. I never worked up Petrushka. <laughs> um, and how many weeks was, before the yeah, audition was this? Oh, I, I would say it'd be like probably. A couple months. Okay. I, I, I don't know. It was exactly. like how it on was, top of the ball I, 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 we I were think at I, that point. I think I had a decent amount of time okay. to prepare. Right. But 
it was it was it was how I prepared and what I prepared mm-hmm. and what what instruments I used that really as I look back um, made me appreciate of like how beautifully naive I was <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> because because okay so, so I'll get to the, the day of the audition at, at, at some point <laughs> but Beth and I got into a, a pretty serious car accident the week before the audition oh my gosh um, I never told you this I don't know maybe you have but I had forgotten it I I I completely blew a stop sign. I was driving. I completely blew a stop sign. And, and so from my left, from the driver's side, someone hit us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they hit the front the front wheel. So no, no one was hurt. The, the car was hurt. Right. Um, but at that point, I was just like, you know what? Wipe my hands. I'm not going to go take the audition. And Beth was, and this is where I think the first because for Beth really started. She's like, no, get your insurance to buy a rental car. And go down and get your deposit check back. Dude, right. Okay. No, we have told this because this is literally Rachel and Beth are the same person in this respect. They sure are. (laughs) They sure are. And so I'm like, okay, like whatever. I I grab I grab my my case of of trumpets and um I I I plan on going down to the to the to the symphony audition. But that week I'm like, huh. I was trying out this one of my one of my friends whatever mouthpieces and i'm like huh i might as well just use this for the audition mm-hmm. so i changed mouthpieces the week before the audition <laughs> and so i get down there the audition list the audition list calls for you know the trumpet player to, to pick a concerto and most of the time stu- uh, players will pick something classical like the Haydn or the Hummel. I'm sure you heard a lot of Haydn and mm-hmm. Hummel that day, right? Tons of Haydn and Hummel. A lot of Haydn. Um, but I picked this Russian Romantic Concerto by Oscar Baim, and I thought I played it pretty well, but like that, it, that again, a, a sign of how naive I was. Mm-hmm. And I'll interject there um, because it won't ruin my end of things. The what? committee turned to the trumpet player on the committee Bruce Bryan. Bruce Bryan. And we're like, what the hell is that piece? <laughs> no one knew what the piece was. And uh, Bruce, it's, in his very well, Bruce way, let us know what it was. But we're like, all right, all right, what's up, kid? <laughs> it was, you know, in, in, in my master's degree, I was working it up. And when they said any concerto, I said, okay. And, <laughs> and to, to my teachers, like, like I, I asked John, I'm like, is this okay? Yeah, sure. Go down and play it. Enjoy yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so that was the opening of the audition. And, you know, it was a pretty standard first round. There's a lot, there's Beethoven, Petrushka, Mahler, that, that kind of sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was in the first round. You were like so number I, two I, or three, I think. I was one of the first people to audition. Yeah. And then I get, we, we get the, the advancement results and so i have like four maybe five hours to kill mm-hmm. in quad city so i go and grab lunch i just like hang out in my car I, I got to see a little bit of the quad cities before i even saw <laughs> saw the quad cities right right and i remember that second round being about 25 minutes long mm-hmm. you guys killed us mm-hmm. in that that second round well the second like, round Molly, we, we... 
sometimes the orchestra is like plan pre-planned to do like three rounds mm-hmm. and we generally try to um you keep like it do two. try to do it in two and treat the second round like a final so that mm-hmm. like if somebody really proves within the second round that they're separating themselves from the bunch and mm-hmm. we feel like mm-hmm. the the things that we have heard or at the level that we're looking for, then we can award the job at that point and and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so we, we we had planned with this one, like, you know, let's see if we can do it in two. <laughs> and you didn't we do it in two. Certainly did not. Um, yeah, and like I think I think that second round was was pretty okay. I, I think that's where a lot of my immaturities were reflected in my playing. You know, things things like pictures at an exhibition or even Ravel piano concerto that, those things are pretty like pretty straight ahead mm-hmm. you can you can get by around and play it one of maybe two or three ways yep but you know when when Mahler three and, and Gershwin are on the final round you're really you're really showing your true colors and and how you lead within your own playing right and I was playing the Gershwin stuff on horns that I I would never play on today. (laughs) It was was really, really strange stuff. Some Bach and like, yeah, I I remember feeling okay. And I texted Beth afterwards. I'm like, yeah, like it was a long round. So like, I I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I actually packed my, my trumpets up and I put them in my car. Mm -hmm. I packed everything up and I, and like we waited, of course, I think there were maybe three, four or five of us in that round. Mm Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they're like, hey, they'd like to hear whatever whatever number I was. Like number two. Again. Mm-hmm. Number two. Yeah, can you can you bring all your stuff? I'm like, what the hell do they mean, bring all my stuff? Like, <laughs> they just want me to play the round again, right? <laughs> it, was mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a super final round, one, mm-hmm. one candidate. And it was essentially what I, what I told people, like an orchestral lesson. Because yeah. you guys came out of the blind. There were probably you know, like eight of you. Yeah, it was a big was a committee. Big committee. Um, and and Mark Russell Smith just kind of put me through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I think I've played Mahler three three or four times. That post-born yeah. solo. Yeah, 100%. A lot. Yes, you did. So uh, I'll jump in at this point to say that... Um, From my perspective, this was I, I've heard two auditions I'll never forget. I'll never forget yours, and I'll never forget Dan Juan's audition for the mm, QCSO. Okay. Those, ha- those happened really close together. They did. And the thing that I loved about your audition uh, is that you separated yourself just on sound quality alone which I responded to, I think, in uh, through the lens of, of knowing that when I took this audition, I was roughly the same age as you and sure. um, had a couple more auditions under my belt than you did. But that th- the story that I heard coming out of my audition was that like what got me the job was sound quality. And so like what I heard in this audition, like, uh, you know, the the committee's reaction to your solo was like, holy crap, what was that? Because, like, this dude just, like, comes out and, like, laid waste to this 
piece and like <laughs> there was this like giant core of sound and like all those things and so like the committee was just like kind of attached to that from the first round and this idea of like the super final was that I think in the second round, we don't do this anymore, but at that time, like um, resumes could come out. And it was like, mm -hmm. this dude has obviously won the job. And like, yeah, there was a lot of really, really, really great trumpet players who we're all friends with now and, you know, sure. can play with the orchestra. So it's, it's not about like, the story is never about like Matt Onstead is the best trumpet player and everybody else is crap or, you know, that, that I was the best horn yeah, player and that everybody else is trash. It's just that like you're playing for humans and humans get attached to a thing and then <laughs> they want to, they want to have it in their orchestra. And so we get to this and then we look at your resume and you would admit this at that point. You're like, Mm -hmm. <laughs> who is this kid <laughs> mm -hmm. and like you know um bruce yeah. sees you know he's at he's with john and he bruce and john know each other and you know he's yeah. like yeah. you know he's got he's got a good teaching pedigree but he's young he doesn't have any experience blah 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 and so uh, the super final was actually more about like kind of testing how quickly you would kind of come along but then mm -hmm. on top of that like this orchestra plays like hard like i feel like we're one of the hardest playing orchestras at least at our level where you know like the repertoire we play is really hard um sometimes we put ridiculously difficult pieces of music on the same program um big you know uh, they allowed me to do two concertos on one concert, you know, that, you know, just <laughs> that it, it doesn't really seem to bother us that like, you know, maybe human beings can't achieve some of this stuff. So we try to find superhumans, <laughs> And in that, yeah. like, it was like, let's see if we can break this kid. And the thing that was like really fun to watch was that you could see every member of the committee at a different point in that super final like get that confirmation that we were looking for. And for me, like, I think it was very early on that I was like, okay, this guy has like a huge sound that like can fit inside of my sound, which was a cool thing that we were able to do while you were here. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then on top of that, it was like, the look on your face, man, where it's like, let's just do Mahler 3 one more time. And you just had this grin of like, all right, boy, let's go. Let's do this. And so like, I mean, it was almost as like I watched a person like kind of just dig in against a music director and, you know, Mark loves you still. And, you know, mm -hmm. we love your playing that you've done here and everywhere. But it was like it was definitely like he was like. Well, all right, I guess we're giving this kid a job because I can't figure out how to make him break. <laughs> so you got the job. Yeah, and you know, you've referenced it a couple of times that I am am no longer there. Mm -hmm. But while we're on the topic of the day that you all trusted me to lead part of a wind section in a professional orchestra for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. I just can't help but add this as like the main because in my performance career. Yeah. Well, that's it is it is simply just like again as I look back at how naive and young and inexperienced I was that that 
professional musicians who have played around the globe entrusted a a, a young man to come in and, and, and hold a hot seat. Yeah. And principal trope. There's no other. I don't think there's a hotter seat probably in the orchestra than that. But, you know, since we're here, let's uh let's talk about QCSO memories and yeah. uh then uh we'll talk about the dreaded talk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway, um just cuz I think that part of the story is important uh yeah, of course. for a number of reasons, although I don't it it makes me sad thinking about it, but hey. Of course. Anyway, here we are being real. So like, why don't you take a handful, maybe not a handful, however many you want, like just a handful of memories from that time as just, you know, maybe a jumping off point for us to kind of yeah. share about our time together. I have, I in, in my experience, four really, really, really memorable concerts. Uh, oh God! <laughs> Just thought of another. So I'll I'll try to make them all quick. Um, the first season that we played uh, when when I was principal trumpet of the Quad City Symphony was a pretty light season. Mm-hmm. It was all about water or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we played Handel's water music. Oh yeah! And it, it was a concert where you know Maestro was at the harpsichord. We were all standing. It was very, very intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Haas and I were playing piccolo, rotary piccolo trumpets. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I were standing in proximity to one another. Mm-hmm. But who was closest to me was Andy Parker. Oof. He yeah. was the principal oboist. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps one of the most gifted artists I know. 100%. And like, if you're going to be standing next to somebody in a style of music that I'll at least say for myself, like I was way out of my depths on that show. Like, it was like water music is the the tune that I've probably heard a billion times in my life. Of course, but had no idea that the horn parts are like hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like it's essentially piccolo trumpet parts, right? In a horn. (laughs) And so I'm sitting here. I don't know how to play any of this, so I'll just do what Andy does. (laughs) And 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 so I I I brought it to to John, who's a remarkable uh, baroque player. Like he's really really great at that 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 style, and he taught me all these ornaments. But then I came to rehearsal that week. Mm-hmm. And Andy showed me up the first rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And I remember by the time we hit that second performance, he and I were like inseparable mm-hmm. on style, on ornamentation. And we were dancing, like literally dancing right. on stage together and having a good time. And, and like you, you were, you were part of the trio. Like it was just like, what an experience to play early music right in an orchestra that that plays big romantic thick heavy stuff <laughs> even, even contemporary music and to come back and play something so pure and angelic with with you <laughs> i have many i have many more memories about you but yeah this was not one of my better ones <laughs> this like to, to play that stuff with such an angelic player like mm-hmm. andy right was truly like the start like i think the start for me because like my first concert was Rams piano two or something like that right and, and which like, is probably a great, concert great, great, i was like yes great oh piece of i music. love it so like, <laughs> i'm playing i'm playing like these these instruments that i, that I don't know yeah i'm playing the rotary instruments yeah it, like <laughs> that that for me was was a big one mm-hmm. um 
of course the second season that i was there um they asked me to to get in front of the orchestra and play Arben's Carnival of Venice. Like, I, I think that has to be, that was like the fifth one that popped up in my head at the last minute. Right. It, it was, it was such a riot at home. Cause, cause Beth got so annoyed with <laughs> hearing me <laughs> play, play multiple tiny exercises for hours a day and mm-hmm. play that silly little theme mm-hmm. for two months straight every single day. Right. Um, but in my experience, I think it paid off and it was so cool to just like for the first time in a, in a professional setting mm-hmm. to get in front of in front of the orchestra. And we made a really fun video together around it, too. And we sure did. That's right. Um, two more or no, three more. If you, if, if you if you I have all the time in the world. Um, and uh, po- podcasting was amazing because we could do three episodes. I know if we had to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um. My first Mahler symphony was Mahler nine of all of all of them with, yeah. with, with QCSO. And I remember doing a rewatch with you on, mm-hmm. on live live on social media and hearing it back. Man, like that that was like some of my most like confident playing in the orchestra sound like a million bucks. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I wish we had so, like 50k to drop a patch session. I wish we could have recorded it. Yeah, I wish like, we could have recorded there's, it. That like was... I don't know, man. I'm a broken record on it, but it's like I I am because like I just don't think people get it. But like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. where the we music could, we making, could rival. We right, could where the music rival. making like... is happening doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 And like we've yeah. just got this freak ensemble down here that like yeah. mm-hmm. can play the pants off of something like like there are orchestras that will not do Mahler nine. There are conductors that will not do Mahler nine. Of course, because it's that hard. Uh-huh. And this orchestra, we did it, and it didn't. It wasn't really that hard. Like we worked really hard, but like I just remember that whole process being one of like, yep, we're getting the work done, and then we went into the show, and the shows were great. It wasn't like like we're we need one more rehearsal. Like it wasn't. Yeah, like we were all kind of we were all kind of terrified at the first rehearsal. We all brought our scores and everything. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Like right. Normally, brass acting like I can read a score, you know, just like, trying to fit no, in. Brass players don't bring scores to, to rehearsals, <laughs> but I think we all kind of did, right, for that one. Mm-hmm. And we all took it really seriously. So that was like, that's like number three, three A, three B is our pictures, our pictures performance. Yeah, I think that was like the hardest, the the Great Gate. That was the hardest that group. And that's has played. that's one where um, it's become legendary and everyone's heard the story and it was just within the orchestra but like our new principal trumpet like i think it's now in the like deck of things i have to to like tell new people is like well you know yeah we're playing pictures but did you know that <laughs> that that they put a red spotlight, spotlight on, on you and, and, and mark russell smith actually sauntered out while you played the promenade like literally one of the funniest things ever but hey man it's a fun story to tell and you killed it (laughs) even even fun even funnier than that was when they announced that they're gonna do that and lindsey frazier saying what the hell under her breath (laughs) under her breath aka very very audibly (laughs) awesome (laughs) it was so good so like you know it's just like the the big stuff that we've played like i could add shasti seven to that too it was just like the 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 big things that we've played in that in that group were just 
draining, but like so worth it. Mm-hmm. Like we we were all on the same page. We were all so committed to just playing as one unit. And mm-hmm. and like you said, regional orchestras around the nation just do not simply do not do that. Right. They don't play with that kind of like reckless abandon that we just like. And it works always. out like ninety yeah, percent of, of the time. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> I could tell some anti favorite concerts, but yeah. but it was it was it was great. Um, the 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 fourth for me was was our brass quintet signature series, mm-hmm. which you I know, found not, not... I found Copper Wave in a case the other day, like a case nice. that I haven't used in a while. So I was like, nice. I have not turned this. I need to take it back and put it in the library because it's the original horn part has been living <laughs> in a case for like six years. <laughs> For me, it was it was a really good performance. Mm-hmm. We played at, at Geneseo High School, like this beautiful, beautiful brand auditorium. new auditorium. It was super, super hot there too. So, like, for me, it wasn't necessarily like the performance mm-hmm. because in the moment, I was like, I, I felt actually, admittedly, very concerned in the mm-hmm. moment. It mm-hmm. turned out to be a really wonderful recording, and again, I still listen to it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was the the number of rehearsals that we spent together mm-hmm. um as as the five leading brass players of the organization mm-hmm. and you know we, we would we would get together after or before a, a masterworks recital or rehearsal and you know, play through copper wave and then we all came together a couple a couple days before the show mm-hmm. and hung out played ate some really great meals really yeah. good catchphrases came from that little mini tour that we had yeah. like it was just like that's that's the identity of chamber music is that you get to play music with people that you enjoy being around mm-hmm. and we played some really cool music yeah we did <laughs> it was, and it, like uh, which reminds me of like um because at that time I was working full time at the orchestra, I like probably take took on a little bit more of a leadership role mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. like um, yeah. in the sense of like in program committee meetings being like, hey, the brass quintet should get a signature series. We'll do this yeah. whole show. And then um, like all of us had had some experiences playing in a quintet together because we put together this like massive quintet book of definitely but, legal but, charts, a hundred percent legal uh-huh. charts that, uh, you know, you know, play at the farmer's market, play at breweries, play at the distillery, uncork the season, stuff like that. And I always look forward to those like on a number of levels because like, um, it resembles so much of like those formative years when you're in school and probably Mm -hmm. that quintet that you had in undergrad. And for me, definitely like a woodwind quintet that I had that I went to Banff with. And then, um, you know, my brass quintet that I was in at Carnegie Mellon and then another one that I had when I was at the university of Illinois, where you just like find a group of people that just works. Like everybody kind of just fits. And like, in my experience, it wasn't always like the best player around and but they were just the right people for the group and like it doesn't have to be the best player right it doesn't have to be it's just the people that you enjoy being around right and i think for the first time this group of brass players like it was like really really great players 
who we also really, really liked to be around. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if I've ever heard Bruce Briney miss. You know, like, I mean, he's just that solid of a trumpet player. And for for as long as he had has been doing it and had been doing it in the QCSO was always amazing. You know, like I'm doing my thing, you know, Robert Parker, like he doesn't miss either, dude. Like the guy's always prepared. Yeah. Like he's one of the most yeah. solid. And then we got Andy. Everyone loves Andy. Andy. Yeah. And like Andy sounds like a million dollars all the time. But like at the same time, he's a bass trombonist in a brass quintet. So he's like <laughs> playing playing plug. Right, right. And playing like tuba parts and like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and doing it with like a smile, like begrudgingly sometimes, but always with a smile on his face at the end. But like the group just worked, and like uh, a thing that I miss, I think, about working with you or that group at that time was that either nobody seemed to have any fear, or they were like too busy like worrying about something to ever say anything about it because like we would just pick the book up and read it and if it blew up oh well like we even read stuff that we should not have read but like did it in public (laughs) for the public yeah Yeah, and like it always worked out okay or we always had some like fun thing to say afterwards like well we took a shot there and boy did we miss you know and and like just that idea that like we weren't afraid to do anything like yeah is is something that like was unique about that group and allowed us to and you know i brought this up by saying that like I felt like I had one opportunity to get all of the pieces that I wanted to play with everybody <laughs> on one program. And and so we did like uh, Joan Tower, Copper Wave. We did um, Plogue, Four Sketches for Brass Quintet. We did Bernstein, yeah. Dance Suite. The entire... The entire dance suite and the entire West Side and Story. And then we suite. did the entirety of... of um, Who's the arranger of oh the Jack, Jack Gale. Gale version of yeah, of yeah. Um, West Side Story, which like one of those pieces on a recital is enough, and it, it mm-hmm. always causes my dad to be like, you know, you can you can put a Gabrielli on there, makes it kind of <laughs> nice for the listener, and y'all don't have to rehearse it so much. But I was like, boy, we went into every single one of those pieces, and they all they all really hit. So let's, you know, because we can't spend all day on here, but uh, sure, I would sure. love to. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the end of your time here at, at the QCSO and like kind of what was mm-hmm. going on and the decision making behind that. And then we'll, uh, we'll end that story in um, Brian Baxter's office as it ended in real life. That's right. That's right. Um, before the pandemic hit, um my wife and i luckily got pregnant very quickly after we got married Mm -hmm. um in 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 the late summer of of 2019 and you know i have i have the date on uh on a um um a bottle opener so it's uh-huh. very close to when your wedding was matt <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. i mean we we were we were that couple that got married went on our honeymoon and got pregnant um and as as we all know you know march 2020 was a was a very dark turning point for the world mm-hmm. um, we we had our, our first son elliot in in may of mm-hmm. 2020 it was a it was a really wild 
experience for us. Like we were, we had a, a, a pretty normal experience in the hospital, but we were kicked out after 24 hours. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty normal for the first little bit, but then first time parents, everyone was healthy. After 24 hours, we were kicked out and we we're just like, okay, what do we do with this newborn child? Right. Um, but luckily enough, you know, I was furloughed at, at my new, at my new university job that I got that year. Um, Beth was reduced at work. And so we got a lot of time to spend with our, with our baby boy. Um, and as a lot of arts organizations, not just music, but, but and everybody, you know, restaurants, as, as people were adjusting to, to the heat of the pandemic, you know, you, you did what you could that year. Quad City continued. Quad City Symphony continued their season, you know, separately. You guys are all separated with, with plexiglass. But I elected to take a year of absence because, you know, Beth and I discussed having a newborn at, at home. The risk wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply, simply because that was before, you know, the vaccinations came out. Right. Right. Um, and so we had a really great year with 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 our our, our newly formed family mm-hmm. we as as life slowly started to become a little bit more normal getting back to work a little bit more full time um we decided to get pregnant again mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we we spent just over a year uh with Elliot and got pregnant essentially this around the same time mm-hmm with our with our second um around late august early september of 2021 mm-hmm. and that was right around the time when i was returning for for the for the next season right and I, I think i did an an outdoor um an outdoor show which which is actually if 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 we have time to go back to it is actually my most memorable show mm-hmm. my most memorable show um we'll do that at the end it'll be nice yeah 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 Yeah, it's 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 good it it might be a good cadence Mm -hmm. um and so we returned in october of that year and you know elliot wasn't sleeping there was a lot of stress at home beth was pregnant um my priorities changed as as a human being Mm -hmm. um I was sitting in sitting in rehearsal, questioning why why I wasn't at home. Mm-hmm. You know, supporting supporting my my wife and supporting my family. And as much as the the Quad City Symphony gave me for six really like beautiful beautiful years and beautiful seasons, wonderful memories that we just spoke of. Um, the time away from home was just adding up mm-hmm. to be too much and, and and i'm sure you know there are better excuses out there there are lesser excuses out there i'm sure you mm-hmm. know like it, this wasn't something that i easily walked away from right and and you spoke of mm-hmm. <laughs> brian baxter's office where after after that masterwork show um you were the first person in the organization that i that i told yeah. Um, and this ties together with 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 something else that happened that year. Um, 
but I couldn't be away from my family that much. Mm -hmm. I, I made, I made the decision that my priorities had to be father first. Right. Because that year I lost my father. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was very sudden. Um, the man was 57. Mm -hmm. And as, as we all know, this is quickly becoming into something different than a music podcast. Right. Um, you know, death is the surest thing in life. Yeah. And, you know, the memories you share with people along the way are, are forever, of course. And, and the memories I, I shared with, with you, you know, you're, you're one of my becauses. Oh. Um, because every, I mean, most of the, of, of my QCSO memories have you in it. And, and it's just, I don't know if we ever hard... played a concert separate. I know. No. Because I'm always, you know? I'm a constant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was, it was, it was hard for me to close that door. But after experiencing losing my, my second parent, mm -hmm. um, it, it put things a little bit, a little bit in a different perspective for me that, you know, I, I, I wanted to be with my family as much as I could with the mm -hmm. remaining time that I had on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so, so for that reason and that, that reason legitimately alone, um, I, I resigned as mm -hmm. principal trumpet of the Quad City Symphony and, and played a, a couple, I, I, I finished out half of the season mm -hmm. and my last concert was a really, really fun holiday brass show. Um, but that was, a, that was a big turning point mm -hmm. for me. Like, like as, as someone who, who, you know, has experienced like a drastic change in, in their life a couple times, like, like switching from a career path to a completely different career path. Mm-hmm like that like this this change for me in in 2021 was and and had at least the same amount of weight to it right um because i'm someone who who holds near and dear their roots mm -hmm. you know the the trust and yeah just the, the trust that you you all put in me that day that i auditioned mm -hmm. i don't forget that i and I, I i would i would i would not be where i am if it weren't for that right. day yeah and i, I mean i would say I, that a lot of us it's similar because like it's the place that you know that was the first time a music director picked us you know right. And as like yeah. as lame as that sounds, because yeah. it's like easy for me to get on music directors, but like at the same time, like um, you know, for better or for worse, they are the people who are given the job of of being the standard bearer for the organization musically, sure. and sure. like you know, we are people who met that bar, and we are people who have continued to meet that bar, like concert after mm -hmm. concert, and like. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, full disclosure to everybody, we haven't talked about this at all. <laughs> like that, it, me and you, like in terms yeah, of like yeah. this this time in 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 Brian's yeah. office. And like, I'll share that, um, you know, that was one of the craziest moments, I think, of my professional and personal life. Because like, mm -hmm. and we did talk about this as a part of that conversation, but like, um, one of the best days of my life in terms of the relationship that I have with my wife was at your wedding. Yeah. And like... Um, the fact that I have made a professional friend that has become such a personal friend that I could sit in that room and experience what I experienced, which like, God, we've been to a million weddings. We've played a thousand of them. Like, if you're lucky, you've got a big family and a lot of friends that, that get to go through that experience. But like, I've never been to a wedding that was so uniquely its own and every decision that was made um was perfectly matt and beth and the fact that again like you know there were other professional friends there but like it was one of those times where like i think both of us saw a relationship that we felt close to and that we as non-religious people without a large family, all those kinds of things could get married <laughs> and have a yeah. ceremony that like reflected us. And so like, I've told you that a million times. And mm -hmm. I think I even joked when we were planning our wedding, I was like, sorry, I'm stealing your wedding. <laughs> like, we're pretty much going to do the exact same thing that you guys did. But like, you know, we talk about that trip to Madison, like all the time, like it was just so special for us. And like, um, I think that's something that really bonded the two of us together. And like, um, I think the naivete on my end is I never thought it would end. Yeah. And like, for me, what's, what was hard then is <laughs> still hard now is that, um, things are just different yeah. and they're, they're good. Right. You know, love Matt Baker, you know, he's the, the shit too, <laughs> but like, um, man I, I i i love you and i loved you then and i'll love you forever and it's just it was really really difficult for me to lose um like a member of the team at that time and like and a member of the team like i think professionally now personally like we're never going to lose each other <laughs> and like there's comfort within that but like the fact that like a little bit of who i am as a person who like wants to prove things all of the time and it's like i don't have to go to chicago to do this at the level that we do this right. like right. i don't have to and you know i'm using the word have to but like let's be real like it just wasn't in the cards for me <laughs> like you know i could start taking auditions let's not get into all that but like by the time that it was time for me to like actually start to work and to make a living like this is where we landed and i think mm -hmm. that um the reason that we landed here or i landed here is because it's a musical community that will accept as far as i can push this thing right. you know what i mean like i don't have anybody telling me like why do you work so hard to play the horn like nobody cares like it's people here like like we love to hear you play and that's a result of yeah. the work that i do and like um the orchestra sounds so good because like things like this 
you know, like totally. we get totally. people together who are good players, who happen to be great people who happen to fall in love with one another, both as friends and as yeah. musicians. And so, um, anyway, I, I had a grand plan for when I started talking about this, but I no longer have it. But I, I think one thing that I've come to respect about you and I think something that has kind of helped me to at least get to a point where like I don't I don't get bummed about it. It was years of being <laughs> bummed about it, man. And like yeah. um is that we did all the things that an orchestra I would I'll use this word very specifically, that an orchestra should do mm -hmm. when this happens, which is it's not thank you so much for your time later on it was like yeah, is there literally yeah. anything that we can do to delay this or to um you know make it not happen you know and that's always money more flexibility blah 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 and you said no because like your decision was honestly that like i mean you could pay me a million dollars and i mean maybe it would have been different for a million dollars but like <laughs> you know within what a, a, a place like this could do you know like you were very steadfast in that decision and like you know sharing about like our lives in the sense of like you know um i i think it's important for you to be at home <laughs> and at that time like you know i think a shortcoming of me as a friend is like i didn't get it <laughs> and i think i get it now which makes it better but gosh i want to play in the orchestra with you again man <laughs> i mean that's that's no short of of you being like a bad friend or anything like that like we all <laughs> i think what what's what's lucky is that we all have raw emotion mm -hmm. but what i what i consider myself lucky for is that within six years, we did do everything, like you said, an orchestra should do. Mm -hmm. And what I experienced in six years, I can't expect that in any other organization within even the double the amount of time. Right. Triple the amount of time. Yeah. Is that I got to play with my best friends, some of the world's greatest music, in an amazing hall for an amazing community, but mostly with people that I absolutely adored mm -hmm. and loved being on that adventure with. Well, it's different, but I think I will always hold on to how lucky I was to have been like given the path mm -hmm. to even have the opportunity to spend that time with 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 people like you well that's very kind of you to say but let's do the thing let's pull the band-aid off yeah. let's do that uh that last qcso memory that'll be a lovely bow yeah on the end of the uh, story i so I, I i stated that that my father passed away uh it was probably about a year and a half into the pandemic um august 1st 2021 um sudden heart failure you know it was like kind of a kind of a freak it wasn't even a freak thing yeah, unfortunately the guy didn't really take good care of himself he had multiple heart issues mm -hmm. but 
one night in the middle of the of of, of the night, he, they had to put him into the ER, and unfortunately, he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the eighteen twelve overture has always been like a remarkable piece of music. I think like there's a reason why it's so well performed throughout right. the world. Um, but for me that year, it added such a thick layer of emotion for me mm-hmm. because you know, riverfront pops usually lands mid August, mid to late August. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to give it up. I didn't want to, you know, through the stresses of, of working through, the the many the many things that you have to go through as a child who lost their parent you know legal things financial things all that crap right i wanted to at least give myself the opportunity to to have a day with again people mm-hmm. <laughs> that i felt safe around that i that like you know give, give myself a trip down to the quad cities and, and perform because mm-hmm. i think that's what he would have wanted me to do right not to say that I didn't have the support at home, but it was just another another way to give myself mm-hmm. an avenue for emotion, you know. For and, and so, no. I think I think we played Beach Boys or something that year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. But then. then we got to that Largo mm-hmm. that really big epic corral mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever felt something like the way like what I felt that day mm-hmm. I played my ass off mm-hmm. and, and I'm so sorry if I can't say that <laughs> I I've never like looked out into something mm-hmm. while playing the trumpet and have felt that level of I don't even know what it is. Right. Um, and even even two years later, mm-hmm. it's hard to even put it into words. Right. Um, my father was someone who, he was a very quiet, reserved man. He, mm-hmm. he was definitely a family guy. Like mm-hmm. he did whatever he could to to support his his kids. Mm-hmm. He was at like as many of my performances as he could. Mm-hmm. And as as shared veterans, he and I, the fact that we played such a, a remarkable and beautiful piece like 1812 and then had to follow it up with <laughs> the military march right. <laughs> stars and stripes mm-hmm. was the most memorable performance I 
I, I, I don't know if I could ever top it. Yeah. Like it was like, it was like a per, like perfect timeline. What a, what a crazy word, way to say it. <laughs> it was just like the best way to like feel so connected to someone that I just lost. Right. And to do that through music with all of mm-hmm. us. Again, well, with the people. Yeah, absolutely. That I love and care for so much. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I have to segue us out of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, please do. Into the, uh, give me the two minute rundown of what you're up to now. And yeah. I always like to ask this question, and I always preface it the same way like what I'm doing right now is I like to ask this question and I've been trying uh-huh. to answer, ask it a bunch of different <laughs> ways, but um, really what it comes down to is I feel like I'm going through something in my life where it's like, I feel young, right? Like I still feel yeah. like I'm closer to 18 than I am any other age, <laughs> but I'm also, you know, 38 and like I have life experience and it's also that time in life, I think, where you really start to think about things that you've said that you want to do in life or things that you want to do with people or things that you want. Um, I think your life, like what you want it to mean and when you're 18, you don't have enough experience really to, I think, like have a heartfelt answer to that. Like there's always this like youthful um, energy where you're saying like, I want to change the world or I want to be the best this or I want to be the best that. Um, but then you get to be in your 30s and you start to realize like this matters more than that. And, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about that, but within this, this scope of your story, like what do you think it all means at this point? And, and kind of what are the, like, how does that shape, um, you know, the next, you know, 20 or so years professionally and hopefully 50 plus years of, of life. (laughs) Well, what I'm up to now is I'm, I'm luckily a, a, the assistant professor of, of trumpet at the university of Wisconsin Whitewater. I was lucky enough to, have a timeline that worked out um, and to have worked my tail off to, to get a position that is, is pretty highly sought after. Mm-hmm. And then just last year I won a position up here in Madison with the Wisconsin chamber orchestra. That's mm-hmm. the same title that I shared with quad city. Mm-hmm. And so I'm busy. I'm fulfilled musically because I, I I teach, I play in a in a in a faculty brass quintet, and I play in a symphony. That's if you ask me at twenty years old what I wanted to do, that essentially sums it up. Right. Like I'm not gonna say I've made it because. Right. What does that even mean? What? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. But I have essentially completed a mission of many mm-hmm. at this point. You know, I've I've gotten to a point where I can sustain my my myself and 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 help my family 
while mm-hmm. doing something that I thought at one point was not even a, a possibility. So I'm, I'm very thankful and, and lucky and, and happy mm-hmm. to be doing that. Um, you know, after, after, after my dad died, I've thought about like how much time we all have left. Right. And to be a teacher is such a, a, a wonderful way to utilize that time. Mm-hmm to help at, at a very crucial point in, in adults' lives, you know, undergraduate college folk. Right. To help find their path. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not the, the trumpet professor that molds. I'm, I'm a trumpet professor that helps, you know, assist. Mm-hmm their their identity and 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 specific goals and what they want in life you're not going to see a bunch of matt onstads coming out of uw whitewater but what you hopefully will see and i've only completed three years there so i uh, I haven't had a full student yet for a four-year course of studies kind of student yet but what i hope to accomplish in in my students for my students and their lives and their careers is that they find a path that they can also feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a similar mentor to them that I had growing up. Well, Someone that they can text every day if they need to. Mm-hmm. My priorities are, of course, being a father first, a, a husband second. Um, but a teacher and a mentor and a friend and a safe person to go to for things completely outside of music if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's who my mentors were for me. And that, that's who, that, that's who, you know, my friends were for me too. Right. Helping me make challenging life decisions. Mm-hmm people I go to, to be heartbroken with, right. to feel safe, to, to, to get crucial life advice, to have hard, hard conversations, to get hard expectations, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, what I want when I leave this planet is to leave an impact on as many people as I can. And that's not my everyday goal. I don't, I don't try to like, you know, touch people in a way every single day with that goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Some days you have to mow the lawn. I sure do. (laughs) Um, Or build a deck apparently. Build a huge deck. That's right. (laughs) And some days are tough. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, be, being a father of a three and a and a one year old, like we're 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 pretty rock steady family here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but some days are tough, and just knowing that I have my circle around me, mm-hmm. any like any number of people that I can literally just pick up the phone and be with, not physically but right. just to be with is really, really important for me. Mm. 
And so I, I, I want to try to translate that to as many people as possible. Well, I think that that is as beautiful of an answer that I've gotten after 30-some episodes. So, And I'm I'll not surprised that. that it is with you and that this was such a good time. Thanks for st- stepping on with me this morning. and uh, Thanks, buddy. Spending what, what we got in here. Two hours and 20 minutes in the can today. Heck yeah. And Heck uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll say this very specifically now because... I imagine that this will be the first episode that we actually have to bleep something, which I'm stoked about. <laughs> yes. But then, uh, secondarily, I want there to be two bleeps, which are, Matt Onstead, you're a great f- trumpet player. <laughs> <laughs> and an even better friend, and I'm lucky to have you. Thanks, buddy. That goes both ways. <laughs> Because is produced by Mark Zyla and Jaron Michelle in the studios of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. Thank you for listening to this episode. Because I read Because by Mo Willems, illustrated by Amber Wren, I wanted to learn the becauses of people I admire. Do me a favor and thank someone in your own Because story and join us next time on Because. Because.